Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, okay. 
Think about what you said what you, uh, five times over. What do you think about the Mets winning eight to seven last week after our show ended? Uh, I think it's the most um, one of the most amazing victories I've ever seen in my life. And I knew, I absolutely knew, that Buck Showalter would be listening to our program, that he would hear us, he would get upset, and then he would have the guys make sure that they won just to prove us wrong. Um, I thought it was great. First of all, you're you're the world's biggest uh, flip flop. I mean, there's just no. You had no faith. You did not think they were going to win. The only difference between you and I is that I express what I what I feel. I say things that are on my mind. You keep them hidden. You hypocrite. You liar. You make me sick. By the way, just uh, in case you're wondering. Oh, and by the way, speaking of all that, that's it. No, I just wanted to say this. I just need to say this. I need to put this out there for everyone hearing. That's you. You said flip-flop, so that reminds me of Fauci. Um, am I worse than Fauci? Uh, yeah, you definitely, possibly, maybe are worse than Fauci. I mean, it, it, you're, you're, you're a fraud. You're an absolute fraud, bottom line. And that's the bottom line because DG said so. Said so. Okay. Did you, no, have a, did you really think that yeah. the Mets were going to win? Did you really think, honestly, truly, tell me the truth, don't lie to me like you always do, because we have these production meetings behind the scenes where you lie like a rug. Um... Capital L, capital I, capital A, capital R. That is your name. Liar. LB, you should be called from now on. Did you really think I know seven that 7 to nothing when we signed off the Mets were going to win that game? Uh, no, I didn't, but I was smart enough not to say on the air and look like a complete jack bleep. Like no, no, no. See, this is where your hypocrisy comes in. You didn't think the Mets had a chance at winning. You didn't say it publicly. You said it privately. You probably told your wife. You probably told your daughter. You probably told your dog. You told everybody. You knew they had no chance. And then all of a sudden, the Mets make this improbable. And I mean improbable once-in-a-lifetime comeback. Six runs in the ninth inning. First time they'd done anything even close to that in 25 years. And as a matter of fact, the last time they did it was 1987. Bernard Gilkey, woo, the Mets won. But they tied it in that inning and then went on to win in extra innings. This was just improbable, unlikely, impossible. Won't happen again in a million years until it happens two more times this year. So you are ripping me, and you have been ripping me all week long about how that was your favorite part of the show. But the facts are the facts, and the numbers don't lie. You make me sick because you know that they had no chance, and somehow, some way, they did it. If by chance you have missed the show last week, Go in and listen. May fifth, twenty-two. Please listen. And if you have any questions or you want to comment on that, again, we might not get to all the calls today, but it's five one five six zero five nine seven nine six. And speaking of the Mets, they won yet another series. Are you happy that they won four one? I am thrilled. See, my thing with the Mets is this, and this is this is not a complaint so much as it is just an observation. I've noticed lately, especially, that the Mets have not been winning back-to-back games they've pretty much been winning every other game now bottom line is if you know as long as you're not playing a 500 and if you can win series that's the key they have yet to lose a series which i'm pretty sure this is i mean they had never opened up a season to win what seven i think it was seven in a row um they'd never done it before they did it now and they tied with the braves which made me want to puke i almost puked right now excuse me and then of course with the phillies they didn't lose that series and then here they come again um with the with the nationals and they win this series the Mets are a winning team, bottom line. And uh, the, mo- the most impressive thing to me is that here we are sitting in the middle of May, May 12th to be exact, and the Mets have yet to lose a back-to-back and a belly-to-belly games. That, sir, is impressive. They have yet to go on a losing streak. They have terrible losses, 
and then they come back and win the next day. That, to me, is the most impressive part of this team, sir. I know that I know that small things irk you. So does the fact that they're winning four nothing and Diaz give a home run up to Soto in the ninth inning does that bother you? No, it doesn't bother me because the bottom line is they got the job done. Uh, what's fascinating to me? Did you, did you happen to catch any of the game? Did you watch that interesting double play they got in the Nationals? Uh, yes, I did. Uh, last night, even or two nights ago, Monday? No. Well, well the, the double play was um, Walker was pitching today, correct? Yes, he was. He, he no, it was today. Yes. So um, they hit the ball to the to the shortstop, and then um, I forget. I don't know if it was Soto. Soto got caught, and Soto did get caught, but there was another guy who was running, and um, they threw the ball to third base for some reason. So the ball's in in front of you. You're not supposed to run. Everybody knows that. The minute the shortstop throws to first, that's when you take off and you'll reach base safely. This fool decides that he's going to run when they hit the ball in front of him. So the Mets go throw to third. Um, Escobar gets it. You know, there, there's the little back and forth. He's running back. They throw it to Walker. Walker catches him while he's, like, on the ground, tags him. And then Walker throws the ball into right field, so the runner advances. And then Marte picks it up and fires the Roberto Clemente-like cannon to third base where Lindor then grabs it and tags him out. Um, he was out by a mile, by the way. But it's, I've never seen a double play like that, getting both guys at third. Um, it was just very unique. And the MLB app, which I use all the time, actually said, Mets, do a, Mets make a strange double play. And I watched the video, and it was just fascinating. I mean, throwing the ball away, getting both guys at third base, you know, getting the ball thrown back in, I mean, just unreal, sir. Unreal. Real. The Mets are twenty-two and eleven, by the way. Woo! They, they're twenty-two and eleven. They're the only team above five hundred. Uh, they're up games or seven and a half games at this point. We'll talk more about them next week. About and if you want to call and bet the Mets, please call in the Mets again five one five six zero five nine seven nine six. But um, I just want to tell you before our, our guest called in, we have one guest on the hold already, but. Um, the four train and the seven train are ready to meet. I don't care what you say. We're ready for a subway series. What do you think? Um, I think you're obsessed with the subway series. It's all you ever talk about, and it makes you want to puke. But with all things considered, as good as the Yankees are this year, I do hope the Mets win. I hope the Mets' first series loss doesn't come against the uh, awful, terrible, loathsome Yankees. All I know is that uh, the Yankees were losing 3 nothing the other night. Was it last night or the other night? Uh, to a no-hitter, almost like a perfect game. And then they came back and hit a three-run homer by Giancarlo. My boy, John, not my boy. Giancarlo Stanton hits a three-run homer, ties it up. And then Judge, my boy Judge, hits a three-run homer to end the game. And he does the gritty. He loves doing the gritty. Uh, I do the gritty all the time to my students. Uh, oh, jeez. you have a call? Go ahead. you want to take a call? Go ahead. No, no, I'm telling you, uh, folks, behind the scenes, uh, breaking the fourth wall, um, you know, Joe, Joe's a slacker. I mean, let's be real. Anybody who knows Joe knows that this guy is a slacker. He's a, he's a goofball. He's a clown. And he um, he just lets me down constantly. But hopefully he will uh, get the message that I'm sending him. See, because the thing about this show, folks, is we have like 13 different things going on. We have a Zoom call, which essentially is just Joe and I looking at each other every couple of seconds. And really, Joe, all he does is stare at the screen blankly with his tongue hanging out, drooling like a dog. And then we also have the, the obviously, our definitely maybe our little chat going. We have a lot of different moving parts of the show. I mean, this is, this is truly top-notch stuff. I mean, so, um, yes, sir? One excuse I have one excuse is that our call screener is running late, so I have to make sure that we do have our calls online. But we do have a call 
a uh, no, it's Wait, not that Joe, one. Joe, um, but the timeout. The twelve one number. Uh, <laughs> if you want to take it, go ahead, take it up. Well, well, we'll, we'll see, sir. Um, we'll, we'll, you know, Joe, you you continue right along, sir. Do what you got to do. Okay, okay. So, anyways, last night I know that Dave hasn't watched the um, the game, the basketball game. The Celtics were in control of the series again, and they decided to spit the bit. They dropped a fourteen point lead. They lost a four fourteen point lead. Now they're up. They're down three games to two playing in Milwaukee, and now to win the series, to get to the finals like I expect them to, they have to steal two games in Milwaukee. That's going to be a tall order. Even though Milwaukee doesn't have Milton on their team, it's going to be a tall order. I mean, to steal two games in Milwaukee, the defending champions, I mean, you sold one game, okay. Now you can steal a second game tomorrow night. So it's going to be interesting to see if the Celtics can do that. I think if they can, which I think they can, I think they have a 60%, uh, a little over 60% chance on Sunday, Game 7, anything can happen in Game 7, as we know. Even though it's in Boston, um, I think anything can happen. I think that I, – I, I really think that if the Celtics win on uh, tomorrow night, they're going to the finals. There's no doubt about it. The only question will become at that point, will they get to play the Golden State Warriors and will they beat the Golden State Warriors? That's a – that's a good series. It's a really good series. I would love to get your take on it. Anyone's take on it. It's again, it's five one five six zero five nine seven nine six. But yeah, that's basketball. The Rangers in hockey. The Rangers held on. They uh, avoided elimination. What I call elimination day. What Chris Russo calls elimination day. Uh, they won yesterday in in Madison Garden. So off to game six in tomorrow night. Oh boy. Go ahead, Dave. What's up? <laughs> no, no, I just I had to do that. I know that you always you always get upset, you know, off the air. I mean, we've had arguments about this, the whole you know the crickets thing. Me controlling the soundboard. I'm a huge fan of that, by the way. Me controlling the soundboard. But sir, um, we we have we have a special guest on the hotline. Um, and uh, okay. if if I'm not mistaken, sir, this is a guest that you for the for maybe the third time. In the history of this show, possibly, you are the one who got this guest. Um, again, we're proud and privileged, folks, to be joined by the one and only Mr. Ryan Valley. Ryan, how are you doing today, sir? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Uh, thank you so. Thank you so much for calling, uh, Joe. Take it away, sir. Yeah. Well, Ryan, welcome to the show. Welcome to your golden. Just remember what I told you off the air. If you make it famous, which I think you will. I've seen you bowl a ton of times on Facebook Live. Um, I think you're going to make it. Just don't forget Pure Gold. Please don't forget Pure Gold. We're the ones that found you. So, calm down. Let me ask you the first question because we have a bunch of questions that we want to ask you, Ryan. You tell us that if they're good or not, whatever. But what got you into bowling? Was it your dad or was it something else? Uh, it was my dad. My dad originally took me when I was first 18 months old, and I started bowling from there. Wait. Okay. Wait, your dad took you to bowl at 18 months? Yes, I was 18 months old when I first threw my first bowling ball. Exactly. You first threw your first strike, I'm Did. assuming. Is that, is, is that what I'm hearing? First strike, I'm not sure, but all I know is I never used the gum, gutters and I never used the rail. My dad said I was cheating, so I never used it. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Um, by the way, I don't know if you know, but Joe actually, when he bowls, he uses the gutters and the railing. I mean, he's... He's uh yeah, he's right. an awesome bowler. But Ryan, let yeah. me ask you, do 
just a curiosity now. Joe's a big time bowler. Joe was in a league. Joe used to pay off the the judges and the officials to make sure that they won championships year after year. But um, now, do you bowl weekly, or, or you know, with everything considering you know how busy you are, is is that a thing you do weekly, uh, daily? I mean, are you bowling right now? Like, uh, give the fans a little insight into how often you bowl. Well, I definitely wish I was bowling right now as well, but I usually tend to bowl three to four times a week. Oh wow! And jeez, uh, sometimes on Mondays, especially, I bowl around twenty to twenty-five games of practice. Jeez. Twenty to twenty-five games David. of practice. I I don't even think I don't even think I've bowled twenty to twenty-five games in my entire life. But that's definitely fascinating. Now, are you in any leagues? Uh, I am. I'm in a practice league on a Tuesday night. Um, where I am the high average, have the high game. I recently bowled a three hundred in that league. Oh, um, yeah. so What's your average? There, yeah, I, I am in that. What's one, your average? One, my average right now, I believe, is a two twenty-three. Imagine that, David, a two twenty-three. I think he's passed out. David, you there? Yes, sir. I'm Hello? here. I'm sorry. I was actually signing up for a, a, a middle-aged oh. adult bowling league as we were talking. Uh, let me ask. Okay. You, let me ask you this question, Ryan. Um, now, so so the way that this interview, the way that Joe and I kind of structured it was again, Joe's the, Joe's the semi-pro. You know, again, paying off officials and judges and trying to win championships. I remember right. when we were younger, much younger. Joe was was a, was in a league, and you know, he he played all the time. Um, so I am not a bowling aficionado, I, although I do like bowling. Um, you know, I, I'm not like a huge bowling fan. I just I stink at it. You know, I mean maybe maybe Joe can uh, maybe Joe can pay you so that I can get lessons. But that's that's the point. So let me ask you this question, sir. Um, <laughs> how many bowling balls? Because Joe was having this conversation with me about oil and all these different things. He was kind of explaining it to me. So how many different bowling balls do you go with you each time you bowl? Okay, so. Each time I go bowling, I tend to bring in seven balls with me. Six normal balls and one spare ball. Um, some balls will work on different oil patterns and different type of shots. So if it's a shorter lane, I'll throw um, a heavier, aggressive ball. If it's a longer lane, um, not like the lane actually being longer, but like the oil pattern being longer, I'll throw a lesser, aggressive ball. So... So here, here's a little, I guess this to be off script, but I just kind of want to go based off what you just said. So when you say oil pattern, right, can you, first again, for someone like me who doesn't bowl and, and isn't, doesn't know anything about it, I mean, what exactly is that? Can you break that down for, the, for those of us who are uninitiated into the world of, of bowling? Yes, yeah, so an oil pattern is something that a machine puts down throughout the lane that carries the bowling ball throughout the lane. So there will be certain spots of the lane that hook more and hook less. So where the gutter is near the outside, most most of the time in at least my home bowling alley will hook more than if it was playing towards the center of the lane or the middle right of the lane. Oh, okay. That's definitely interesting. See, that's stuff that I wouldn't know. Um, or let's say somebody listening right now who doesn't know about bowling, that's something they wouldn't even know because when you go to the, when I go to the alley, when your average person would go, you know, you, you rent the shoes, disgusting bowling shoes, and then, you know, they're just awful. And then you go, you get a random ball, depending on the size, you throw it down. And it's like, hey, you know, you have fun, you have some drinks, you go out with your friends, whatever. Um, it's not, it's not something that to take seriously. So just listening to you talk about it, it's something that I would never have even thought about in a million years. It's almost like if we were talking baseball, you talk about the, you know going against the grain of the bat and all these different things, and you know how how different bats 
uh, different metal bats may react differently to the ball, you know, when it's pitched. So that's fascinating to me because that's not um, that's not something that the average person would know. So listening to you talk about it, it's like, oh, wow, that, that, that's definitely interesting. And it's it's something that um, that I never in a million years would have thought. But, you know, you're giving me, an, an edu- and those of us listening, of course, the people out there, you're giving us an education in how all that works. So I definitely, I definitely appreciate that. Of course. Ryan, uh, 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 my next question is kind of along that line that David, David asked you. But uh, what what kind of bowling balls do you use? Like, what's the makes that you use? Do you use Rhino? Do you use um, whatever? What do you use? Um, to bring? So what do you use? I I usually roll with Storm, um, but recently I've been going into Motive, and uh, I also throw a Roto Grip, and I will sometimes throw Brunswick. I own pretty much every brand of bowling ball you can think of: Evernight Storm, Roto Grip, um, you know, Motive. The only thing I don't think I own is track. Gotcha. But okay. I pretty much, just, you know, I have bowling balls all over my house, so under my bed in my closet. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure, Ryan. I'm again, folks. If you want to call in after the interview, if we have time, five one five six zero five nine six talking to future PBA bowler Ryan Valley. I know he's going to be a bowl, pro bowler. Definitely know. I've seen him bowl. He's got the goods. Um, so. It's an easy question for me, but for David it might not be. But what do you use to um, on the when you throw your ball? Do you use the arrows or do you use the dots? Um, I'll mainly use the dots, but sometimes I don't even look at that. I kind of just I see where my ball goes and then I adjust from there. Gotcha. I usually rely you on my feet. Your, yeah. Okay. What would you say is your Achilles heel, though, Ryan? Um, hardest pen to make or hardest spare to make? What would you say is your Achilles heel? Okay, so at least for me, the most frustrating spare is the 10-pin. I've learned to pick it up most of the time, but it's just frustrating when you leave it, and then that will kind of be my downfall of a game if I miss it because then I'll get a little frustrated at myself. I just tend to not leave it as much anymore. Right. Um, Have you ever made the 7-10 split? Okay, I've gotten very close to making a 7-10 split before. I made a post about it as well, of how close I was. Actually, this Tuesday night, I left the 10-pin up, and I, I made it, and my dad told me I didn't see, but the pin rolled across the deck. It would have hit the 7-pin, so I would have made the 7-10 if, if it was up there. Well, it's not that you're it, saving the 7-10 split for TV. You're going to make it on the PBA tour. You're going to be the second or third or fourth person to make the 7-10 split on TV so that... Well, if I was the very next, I'd be the fifth person. Anthony Neuer was the last person making it on television in the U.S. Yes, Open. Yes, which I saw, which I saw. So you're definitely going to be the next person to make the 7-10 split. That's right. <laughs> Dave? David? Hey, Justin. Oh. Uh, sorry, um, I'm over here looking Ryan. at the notes that Joe has here. Yeah, no, I know. I'm, I'm looking at the – sorry, Justin my, okay. Justin, my boss, was just texting me, which is just ironic because he's over here asking me these questions. Oh. He's asking me, you know, on, on the side here, and I'm like, Jesus, this guy. Doesn't he know that I'm doing pure gold? I need to talk to him. Uh, Ryan, let me ask you a question. Um, did you ever think that you'd be this good? And I know that, that, that it can be a loaded question, or it could be like, oh, you know, depending on how you answer it, it may come across the wrong way. But I'm curious because – like when I was a kid, so, so again, I, I always go back to baseball because I'm a big baseball fan. I, I was never the greatest player, but I knew, you know, I, I see my kids, I take them out. You know, they're playing softball. My one daughter's in a league, and uh, at the beginning of the league, 
She, I mean, she literally couldn't hit, you know, water if she fell off a boat. She, she could not hit a single pitch. It, w- it was just, you know, it brought shame to the family. But now, with practicing and getting her better, I see the ability and the talent. And she's hitting the ball, and she's doing a great job. Now, obviously, your dad, you know, teaching you and being with you and taking you, you know, when you were literally in diapers to go bowl, um, you know, maybe he, he would have seen it. But from your perspective, did you ever think that you'd be in the position that you're in or be as – skilled as you are and if so when did you realize um i never thought i would be in the position i am no way i didn't think i was ever gonna bowl a 300 and then one day we went down to um fairlawn lane which i don't very go to much often and i bowled a 300 uh last year and um my whole perspective changed on it i was like i did it once i could do it again and um now i have six so i don't want to say I never thought I was going to be as good because I know of how much I practice. You know, practice obviously makes you a better um, player in general of any sport. So I'm just glad I'm where I'm in, where I'm at now. That's definitely that's definitely good. It, it's a good answer because, like I said, it could, it could come across like, oh wow, you know. Uh, depending on how you answer, it, it can come across differently to different people. So I think that was definitely uh, a great answer and, and a good perspective. You know, from from your point of view. Now, my my next question is this. Now, I don't. I've never, <laughs> I've never come anywhere close to bowling a 300. Not even on like the Wii and Wii bowling or anything. Not even like in video games. I, maybe if I put like three scores together, possibly I could have a 300 in three different games. How many have 300s? Which of course is a perfect game. How many have you bowled? And um, you know, just just give a I mean, hundred, a thousand, two thousand. I mean, you know, fifty. Give, if you if you have a number, just uh, just share that with us. Well, I only have six in real life. I have a bunch on Wii Sports. I don't want to go into that number, though. It might be a little, might be a little overboard. But, uh, yes, I do have six in real life. Um, three of them are from this year. Three are from last year. Uh, and that stuff, so so that's just a recent thing, okay, and you've been obviously bowling for for quite a while. That, that stuff is interesting. Now, um, now, Joe has this on here, um, and I'm I'm curious. He's, he's, you bowl with both hands? Yes, I do bowl with like You throw it two-handed? Yes. So, does that mean that you bowl, like when you bowl, you set up, you can literally throw, you know, you hold the ball with your right, your fingers in the hole, throw it left, and then vice versa? Are you naturally right-handed or left-handed? I'm naturally right-handed. Okay, but you can throw both sides. That's definitely fascinating. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Um. So, I started two-handed bowling when I was just 18 months old. I picked the ball up, I threw it. I don't know what I got. That was a really long time ago, but... Hopefully I got something done. Um, but it all started, I adjusted to it really quickly. Now, as of recently, in the last like month or two, I have learned how to throw one hand. I'm obviously not going to um, fully fluctuate to that. But two hand has just, it's always been in my favor. It's worked for me. So I could say I've been doing it before it actually got very popular. Oh, okay. That's cool. That's because definitely interesting, I, Joe. I, my dad... I don't even think he knew that it was a thing at the time. You know, he tells me he did, but I I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, we're joined by Ryan Valley, future PBA bowler on Pure Gold, 515-605-9796. Ryan, um, now we're getting into some talk that David has no idea what we're talking about. And you can be honest, I think you need to have a certain confidence, a certain swagger, which I think you'll get over time. But can you beat Jason Belmonte? 
Um, I believe I can. I think if we board a three-game set, I think I could beat him in one game, at least. At one game. Would you say that he's somebody that you emulate, or, or is there someone else that you really like uh, watching on TV that you throw to, that throws two-handed? Um, yes, uh, Chris Vi, he's my favorite bowler. I actually know him personally as well with Darren Tang. I know them personally. Um, I used to play games with them on my PC, and I used to talk to them. Darren Tang actually sent me a bowling ball. That's so, cool. Um, That's good. Um, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to ask, um, you know, I've heard that you have to control your emotions from sources unknown that are on the other line uh, or listening to this, so you have to control your emotions. But I look at somebody like Sean Rash, who bowls mad. He, he has an anger to him. He's got uh, an edge to him. Do you bowl better when you're uh, mad or when you're more relaxed? When, when oh, when, I, when, I'm, when I'm calm for sure because – when I'm calm, I don't have nothing, you know, rushing towards my brain. I'm just focused. It's me in the lane. So when I'm happy, I'm definitely bowling a lot better. Okay. I mean, if you said to me that you bowl better angry like Sean Rash, then I would believe that too. So I would tell your beep beep uh, that he has no idea what he's talking about. But in that case, I will take you for your work and say that you bowl better when you're black. So, um what tournaments have you entered, and have you started working with a tutor yet? Um, I haven't started working with a tutor yet. Um, you know, if I ever really need help, I'll go to my dad or I'll go to some other bowlers I look up to. Um, you know, for example, Phil Bruno, Gabe Soto, and uh, Mike Monet. I look up to these guys. I see them every week. So, you know, they're bowlers I'll go to if I really need something or I'm really struggling. They're always there to help me. Okay. Okay. What tournaments have you entered, though, um, just to – you know, practice to be a pro bowler. What tournaments have you entered? Um, well, I entered in a few tournaments. I am bowling in the junior PBA um, qualifiers in August to try to make it on TV. So that dream of mine could become true in August. What's your favorite? Because uh, I watch the PBA every week. What's your favorite? Right now, doing the the playoffs. What's your favorite PBA event and why? Uh, my favorite PBA event is most likely the World Series of Bowling. Yeah. Um, I like how they put all the different patterns down in uh, each different set. Um, I feel like anyone could make it. You know, you don't just see the same five, ten bowlers. You always do. You see different bowlers who get their chance on TV, and they make it, they possibly win, and then their name's out there. So I like to see that happen. Gotcha. Dave, I, David, I have some more follow-up questions, and we could um, thank Ryan, but I just have two more questions, two more questions that come to my head. Um, there was an event uh, there was an event back in the day, maybe five, six years ago, called they played horse, basically. Um, they made some trick shots, and they made some weird spares. Do you remember that event? Was it on the PBA television? Cause I, it was. I think I know it was. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it. What, what trick shot would you use to get somebody a letter for out or horse, wherever it is. Um, what trick shot would you try on TV? Um, I would want to go on the other lane, throw it over a chair. So I'd want to go cross lane over a bar chair and strike. Okay. okay. Good answer. Um, how fast do you recognize the oil pattern? You have to move your feet or move change the ball. Like How fast do you realize that? Because I think with PBA, it's all about – you know, they have the, the goods, they have the, the ball, the equipment. I just think that 
with that, um, they need to know what, you know, adjust to a oil pattern, they have to adjust their feet. So how do you adjust your feet yourself before the next wall? Um, so when I'm practicing, like, you know, just in general, I have no, like, five, ten-minute practice. I usually recognize mm-hmm. it in two or three shots. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. I need to do this. But um, when I'm bowling in, like, a league or a tournament and I have five, ten-minute practice before that, um, I'll tend to recognize it in about, like, a minute and a half, two minutes to see what I have to do and fix my shot or change my ball. Aside from the people that you mentioned that you want to or that you know, have you seen Walter Ray Williams Jr. and Norm Duke bowl? Yes, I have. You have. I mean, Norm, um, not Norm Duke, Walter Ray Williams Jr., is called the dead eye, or he he makes spares like it's water. Um, is that somebody that you think you to watch his video to make sure that you get the spares down down pat? Um, yeah, for sure. Um, I look at um, I don't know if you know who Darren Tang is. Um, yes, I do. I don't know if you do. You do. I do. Okay, so I actually look at his spare game. I think he has one of the best spare games on the tour right now. He um, throws the ball very straight, which I don't totally agree with. I wish he would throw the ball with a hook at his spares, but he always tends to make it, so I really don't argue with it. Okay. Uh, Dave, I could ask Ryan a couple more questions. We have somebody you want. I don't know if Frank is, um, our call screener is not on, so if you call screen this call. Yeah, no, no, online, we can continue. Um, I, I know who that is. It, it's fine. You can just keep oh, okay. on going, sir. So, Ryan, um, I. Is there anything that you want to add? I mean, I think we've asked you every question. I, I want you to do a shout-out to all your friends, all your fans out there listening to us um, and, and you. Um, and then if you want to come back on, you're welcome to come back on. You just let me know. Of course. Um, I'd obviously like to give a shout-out to my mom and dad for always taking me to the boy eye. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't get there. <laughs> um, exactly. Although I think... If it wasn't for my whole family tree, my dad's side, my mom's side, I mean, it's it was a bowling family. It really was. And then, obviously, my parents met at a bowling alley. They had me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I guess I am a bowling alley. <laughs> hey, uh, David, while we have Ryan on the line real fast, do you know uh, Ryan's favorite football team? You're, yeah, we can guess it. Just one guess. Uh, his favorite football team? Yes. Uh no, I have no idea. The the Jets maybe? No, it would be the Detroit Lions and he's convinced the Detroit Lions are gonna be good this year, so we will see. Yeah. Sure. One day. One day that'll happen. I am maybe. very I am very convinced we're making it to the playoffs this year. Well there you go. I mean Let's go Lions. that says all. <laughs> so, Ryan, thank you for coming on and Expanding upon your your bowling experience, uh, talking about bowling itself, Dave, I'm sure learned a lot of bowling knowledge that he didn't know until you came on. So I thank you so much. This has been Ryan Valley. Again, Ryan, you just let me know if you want to come on again. We'll come on again. But just don't forget that I'm pure gold, please. Oh, never. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Have an amazing night. Thank you, you too. You too. All right, sir. That was Ryan Valley. What do you think? Definitely some definitely some interesting stuff there for sure. Um I like the fact that he, he talked about bowling three hundreds and, and wee bowling. See that 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 I can hundred percent uh relate to. I mean not that I ever got a three hundred in that either, but I mean I've come close. In real life not so much. When you guys were talking about the dots on the in the lane, I was literally imagining when you're playing, you know, Wii Sports or 
you know, you've got the dots in front of you, and you kind of move over, and then you've got the little, like, it's it's almost like a little turn where you can kind of hook the ball a little bit. I mean, that's what I was thinking, and that's what I was relating to as he was talking. So definitely some, some interesting stuff there. Now, um, I know we have a call on the line. This is one of our, one of our uh, esteemed callers who, you know, who has called many times uh, to the program. He's, he's going to have him live on the air. And uh, it is the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend, Angel from Woodland Park, once again joining oh, us. Angel, how are you doing this evening, sir? Are there Angel? Angel, we can't we can't hear you. I'm not sure if you have the phone on mute, but uh you you're not coming through for some strange reason. Angel. Yeah, could I don't I don't know, Angel. There yeah, is, we can hear is. you now. Go. Okay, listen, no, I was listening to uh what you the conversation you guys were having with that professional bowler. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm bowling with my uh my granddaughter. And that that the the, uh, the games that they play, yeah. And I tell you, she's doing very she's doing very well. But right now, I want to talk about the Mets. I know that I spoke very bad about them last week, but uh, <laughs> yes, the did. Mets they're 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 on a, a new path. I mean, they're coming. They 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 will surprise surprise you in many many ways. Yeah, no, definitely. No. We were. It's funny. It's funny because we were talking about that earlier. Angel, um, not you, but specifically, but at the beginning of the show, we actually talked about the fact that um, you came on the air, and, and then, you know, we had another another uh, part of the show come in, and, you know, Angel, another Angel, ironically, and he called, and we were talking about how the Mets were going to lose that game, and they come back, and they win, they score six runs in the ninth inning, um, unbelievable, you know, unbelievable win, and they won today. That we talked about how they won the series against uh, the Nationals. They also won the series against the Phillies. You know, they got rained out a couple times, but they did win. So, so far this year, the Mets have yet to lose a series, which is definitely impressive. Um, and you're right. They're on a new path. They're, they're on a new path. This is not the same team. They find new ways to win. They had a terrible loss yesterday, and they come back and win today. So that, that's the stuff to me that really fascinates me as a Mets fan. Yes, yes, I totally agree with you. I mean, yesterday... In the first inning, they got three runs, and I figured, you know, they they got an easy, easy, easy pass. But I don't know, man. It seems like uh, when you think they're going to win, somehow, you know, they turn around, they lose. But, you know, they, they they still got an outstanding team. They're, they're doing very, very well. It's a good thing you call, Angel, because Dave, David was not that hungry. So I'm going to give you the plate of crow to eat because even you on the show last week, we're saying how the Mets think they're the same old Mets and they end up winning the game. I just love the fact that you're wrong. You're both wrong. You know what it, you know what it is about the Mets? It's that, you know, you get so attached to them. And it seems like you you think they're going to go somewhere and all of a sudden they yeah. like you know they they just they just quit quit on each other. And I, I don't know, man. I'm hoping I'm hoping for the best for them. I hope that this year, you know, could be a different than last year. But uh, I don't know, man. The, the Mets, they, they will surprise you in so many ways, you know. Oh, no, definitely. You know, when they came yeah. out with those seven runs in the, the last inning, I mean, I figured, you know, I, I was with my son, and um, I, I saw the score in the, in the seventh inning. I said, that's it. They're done. They're not going nowhere. And all of a sudden, boom, I think that was my birthday, too, last week. So yeah, it, was it was a nice surprise. I mean, uh, you know that your team when it comes back like that on your birthday. I mean, you know something, something special is going to happen. 
and it did. You know, I mean, it surprised me in so many ways. You know, but yeah, uh, you guys are doing a terrific job. You know, I I, I li- I'm listening to everything you guys have to say, and you know, I'm just hoping that this program and everything else, you know, takes off, and a lot of people start, you know, listening, and perhaps you know they'll give you their opinion, and you know, opinions could go somewhere. You know. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, I, I love that you call back, uh, you call every week and talk about the Mets. Um, we love having you on, Angel. Um, I do have a plate of crow for your birthday, so if you oh, want to eat it now or after we go off, <laughs> that'd be great. Um, I, I just, you know, it's the least I could do for a member, uh, extended member of the Trugo family. Like, crow is something that you guys should both eat together as a family. Right, right, right. I totally agree with you. I, I totally agree with you. Listen, um, I got a little dog that I think is on top of me, so <laughs> I will let you guys go. You take care of yourself. I love you, you too, and Angel. I hope this thing takes off. Thank you, Angel. Yes, we appreciate you, you calling. Uh, you're, you're the man. Thank you so much. Uh, folks, that was the you're, you're one and only, welcome. the incomparable Angel from Woodland Park. Uh, great guy. Great member of the uh, Pure Gold extended family. And... Uh, just good stuff there. Just good stuff. And I think that uh, with with all that being said, sir, I think it's a perfect time for us to uh, take a break. Folks, sure. we will be right back after these messages from our sponsors. As an active listener and proud sponsor of Pure Gold, I hope that when it comes to buying and selling real estate in northern New Jersey, you'll make the choice that you won't regret. Visit DennisMovesNJ.com. That's Dennis movesnj.com for all your real estate needs. With over 22 years of experience working in law enforcement and married to an elementary school teacher, I truly understand the importance of your safety and education in your home search. Contact me today by visiting my website at dennismovesnj.com or calling me at 973-868-3529 and let me take care of the rest. Joe has solar panels at his house, and he's been saving a lot of money thanks to Justin and Chris at Phoenix Energy in Hackensack, New Jersey. They are a great company, and they are setting up homeowners with no out-of-pocket cost roofs and solar systems. Contact them today for a free quote, 201-316-0162. Once again, that's 201-316-0162. Hey everybody, it's Nikki Boyer from Yahoo's Daytime in No Time, and don't forget to check out Pure Gold every single week for amazing guest interviews and pretty entertaining radio, I have to say. You guys are awesome. (laughs) Yes, we are, Nikki. You're absolutely right. As always, one of our favorite guests of all times, and you guys may recognize the, the specific clip that we play. It is in our intro, Good Stuff. Fun for the whole family, and uh, you guys are awesome. <laughs> One of my favorites, um, sir. That was a good interview with Ryan. I mean, you you were just going on and on and on, you know, with with the bowling, and that's definitely interesting to me because as somebody who doesn't know much about bowling, as, as obviously I said earlier, to have somebody who knows so much and talking about it and talking about different patterns and oil, it's just a lot of information, and but it's it's a lot of. Um, to me, it's fascinating because there's so much more to the game of bowling than just, hey, you know, here, I'm going to grab the ball and throw it down the, down the lane. I mean, it, it definitely some good stuff. And to hear him 
in 2000, his dad started, you know, it reminds me of a lot of my childhood memories playing baseball and whatnot with my father. So, And the fact that he's on the verge, you know, as you were saying, of being a Pro Bowl in the future, that's that's obviously definitely maybe some good stuff. I mean, I'm not the best or a great bowler, but I know the goods. I, I see technique. I see him bowl almost every week on Facebook. I know the goods when I see it. I know he's going to make it. And he just, again, please. Don't forget for your pure gold, Brian. Again, 515-605-9796. We might not get to all your calls this week, but we promise you, David promises you, that we will get to your call next week or the following week. So keep calling. Whatever question you have, we'll talk about anything you want. We'll keep it, as long as you keep it PG, pure gold, and keep it PG, no cursing, um, we'll take your call. I mean, anything you want to talk about, anything at all. So, Where's our call? Why do we? Where's our call screener? You told me he's going to be on seven fifteen. Where is he? Uh, I think he quit. I think he quit. I think he wants nothing to do with you, and I think that you scared him off, honestly, sir. And oh, actually, speaking of, speaking of call screeners, um, Frank, yeah. you're fired, folks. Right now, <laughs> we are joined by uh, by Mr. Kibu Harris, who um, who I actually spoke with earlier off the air. We were talking. We were chatting. Um, Mostly about you know just having him come back on the air with us and making sure that everything lines up. So he is here with us right now. Kibu, how are you doing this afternoon, sir, or evening? I'm doing good, man. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Good to hear. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Now, now, Kibu, I know that you met Joe um, breaking the fourth wall or fifth wall, as Joe likes to say. You guys were at an event. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that, about how you know it came to be with, with uh, first of all, you getting on the program, but you know, really you guys connecting and, and what was going on last week? Yeah, I actually had a show out in New Jersey to go to in Morristown, and I met up with Joe, and we kind of hit it <laughs> off. He said he had a podcast, and I definitely wanted to do it. Good to hear. That's definitely that's, good. That's, yeah. That's what I want to hear. But what... what um. I'm going to refer to you about your name today, only today. From now on, we're going to go by your wrestling name if you want to call back in, but we're going to call you your real name, which is Alki Balon Harris, right? Is that my saying right? Uh, Yeah. Okay. So what what got you into wrestling? Like, what motivated you to be a a, a future pro wrestler? Uh, It's kind of strange how, like, the way when I started uh, training or whatever, but... For me, my journey started just like, you know, most wrestling fans. It started with the TV screen. And I remember, you know, I was getting into into it, out of it, because uh, I was born in 96, 1996, actually. And I remember the first match I ever watched, like, live. I remember it was uh, Hardy Boys versus Edge and Christian and No Mercy in 1999, and it was a ladder match for the Terry Invitational Tournament. And that one kind of sparked my imagination. I'm like, man, it'd be cool, you know, to watch this every week. And then when I got to middle school, you know, this is around 2006, 2007, around that time. And I remember I started watching it, you know, weekly, every week. You know, I didn't miss an episode. You know, I was watching Raw, SmackDown, ECW, TNA at the time. But the one match that really made me want to get – you know, actually do and actually be a professional wrestler was actually Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker at WrestleMania 25. Oh, really? Interesting. Do you want me to comment on that? Say it again. I couldn't hear you. No, David, do you have any comment on that? No, I think think that's interesting. I mean, I hate the fact that 
this day, I still hate the fact that Shawn Michaels lost the Undertaker at WrestleMania two times. Never should have happened once. He should have ended the streak, but that is neither here nor there. Um, that's definitely that's definitely fascinating because obviously people talk about that as one of, if not the greatest WrestleMania matches of all time. Now, are you talking about the first one or the second one, Kibu? Uh, the first one at WrestleMania 25. Okay, yeah, that, that first one. The 25th anniversary of WrestleMania, which is really only the 24th anniversary of WrestleMania, but that's neither here nor there. That was a great match. Everybody talks about it. Wonderful, great ending, start to finish, uh, good stuff. Fascinating to me as a wrestling fan for so many years to see those two who obviously are professionals, two of the greatest of all time. Um, now, you're watching this. I know you had mentioned the Hardy Boys or whatever the case is, but were you rooting for Sean in that match, or were you rooting for The Undertaker? Honestly, I didn't even know who to root for because I was so emotionally invested in the both characters. And the storyline going into it was basically, you know, Sean was getting into The Undertaker's head. And I've never seen that before, you know, because normally The Undertaker's the guy that, you know, playing mind games because that's normally how the story would tell. So seeing the entrances and the video package, you know, promoting the match right beforehand, and the pacing was just perfect. And then I'm looking at the falsies, the false finishes, you know, I really bought into every near fall. When Undertaker took slam Shawn Michaels, I thought that was a three. Shawn kicks out at two. Undertaker hits the tombstone on Shawn, and Shawn kicks out at like two and a half. And I remember watching that at 13 years old at a party, and literally everybody just went nuts. And that, to me, is still like the best finish I've ever seen to a match. Shawn Michaels climbs to the top rope and hits a moonsault. Undertaker catches him in midair. Hit them with another tombstone, one, two, three. Best match I've ever seen. It's not even close. I put that match yeah, against any any other match in history. Pro wrestling it's funny history. because as a, as a huge as a huge Shawn Michaels fan myself, I mean, I love Shawn. To me, me personally, I think he's the greatest complete wrestler of all time. Total package on the microphone, in the ring, just everything. Ability. I don't think I, I don't even think it's close. Now I know people talk about Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan, but there, that's a different. That's a different level, but when I watched Sean, he was a great heel, great face, and everything. The in-ring psychology, second to none. When I watched the match, the minute he went for the moonsault, I knew it was over. I just, I saw it, I said, he's done. And it was a great finish, it was a great ending. You know, they had those moments at WrestleMania that, uh, sorry, the Royal Rumble that year, um, or the, I think it was that year, the year before. I mean, they've had all those moments, great matches, a great history, and a great feud over, over time, and that specific match was definitely amazing. Actually, you're making me want to go watch the match right now. I, I, still, go watch that to match, day, I still to this day hate that Sean lost, and then, of course, to see Taker lose the streak uh, a couple years later to Brock at WrestleMania 30 makes it even worse, because I thought, as a Shawn Michaels fan, I thought if anybody was going to end this this streak, it was Sean, and that didn't happen. Yeah, and it still to this day bothers me, but um, I mean, I just love watching, I love watching Sean in the ring. I mean, to me, just, you know, I, I, I am an art person. You know, you have the Michelangelos, you have the Picassos, you have the Da Vinci's, you have these amazing guys, and Sean is at that echelon, you know, just watching him work and watching the psychology and everything, and of course, uh, he's involved in NXT with, with the guys down there, so just just some amazing stuff. Now, let me ask you this, though. Are you are you a fan of The Undertaker? I personally am not, but I've you know obviously I respect what what he did for the industry. But are you a fan of his? Oh yeah, man, I've been a big fan of The Undertaker since I was a kid because I've been watching him for a long time. I've been watching him for over twenty years. It was kind of interesting is that he's actually been wrestling longer than I've actually been alive, and <laughs> it fits for me because I was always been drawn to The Undertaker because he's always been this like 
big, larger-than-life character, and he's always been about storytelling. And that fits me to a T because, like, that's kind of, you know, kind of inspiration for my gimmick because I wanted to be, like, this, you know, this larger-than-lifetime character that is able to engage with storytelling that people can actually get behind, and that's how the Chainbreaker was actually formed. Another thing I'd like to point out is that I actually work a similar style to The Undertaker. He's a big athletic dude, but he was. I was actually listening to a podcast with the uh, – he did Stone Cold's uh, Broken Skull, and he kind of elaborated, like, yeah, he was this bigger athletic dude that can hit drop kicks and backflips and dive over the top rope, but it didn't fit the character. He really didn't need to go out there and do that because of the character work. But once he started evolving the character, once you got to the late 90s and early 2000s, that's when he started pulling more tricks out of his bag. And then when they started mentioning the WrestleMania streak, that's when stakes started to raise higher, and that's when you start seeing Undertaker dive outside the ring. So um, for me, it's, it's very, very inspiring because I can work that similar style because I know exactly what that's like. You know, when I first broke in, I was trying to do the same thing, but most of the guys I wrestled on on the independent circuit were 5'8", 175 pounds. So for me to go to the top <laughs> rope was just completely unnecessary. Right. I can do all that stuff, but do I really need, at 260 pounds, do I really need to go up and to the top rope and hit a swan time? This is not necessary. I mean, uh, we're talking to, I'm going to mention you by Kibu uh, Harris. Uh, if you want to talk to him next time, it's 515-605-9796. I don't, Kibu, I don't want you to talk about um, the things that will perk everyone up until we take a break, but I want to ask you, we've still got eight minutes before 8 o'clock or 8.05. Um we kind of went off track of the interview. I'll be honest with you, um, what's your what's your daily routine look like? Say it again. I, I'm having trouble hearing you. That's okay. What's your daily routine look like? Uh, my daily routine. Uh, normally, the first thing I do is I get up in the morning and I pray. That's the first thing I got to do. Uh, the second thing I do is uh, I make sure everything is good to go, like as far as like housework. Uh, I try to at least. Uh, well, I also now, like, my schedule's changed recently because I started my new job. So now I got to go to work early in the morning, about 10 o'clock, so I can do my paperwork. And then I got to get up, and I got to go get up and train. Okay. Um, what what companies do you work for currently? Uh, right now, I try to work for as many companies as I can, but right now I'm cur- currently training at uh, Battlefield, which is PPW. David, do you know that federation or company? No, I do not. Because you talk about Game Changer Wrestling and GCW. Nobody really knows about that over here. They know that because it was sold, like you tell me a thousand times, by Ricky Otazu. We'll talk to Ricky in the near future. But, um, so, people, you want to be a wrestler, uh, a professional wrestler, do you like to be a face or a heel? Uh, I prefer face, but I can also work heel, like, just in case I run into a promoter who who needs a heel. But if you're asking me, like, what my preference is, I'd rather go good guy because it just comes off so natural. And another thing is, like, when I work heel, like, when I first when I first broke into the business, I actually started working heel, and I started getting cheered more than the baby faces. So it just, it just felt right to me to <laughs> go through. It's interesting that you mentioned that because, to me, um, you know, as a as a fan and somebody, you know, you, you, you buy these wrestling video games and, you know, I've, I always make myself, that's the first thing I do with a creative wrestler, always a face, never a heel. I've never thought about myself personally as a heel. That's definitely Joe. Um, but 
it's interesting because most guys, when you interview them, when you talk to them, they will say they prefer working heel because it's it's there's just more you can go. There's more ways you can go versus being a face where you're kind of limited. And so I, so it does fascinate me. I listen to Busted Open. I'm not sure if you listen to that show, but it's on Sirius. And you know I've I've heard I've heard the interviews. That stuff interests me definitely. I actually listen to that more than I than I watch the current product, at least for the WWE. But um, you know, getting back to to the the actual question, it's fascinating to me that you want to be a face because most guys say that that's not something that they can do, or you know, it just makes it harder. I will say I have worked heel and I've worked face, and uh, honestly, working heel is much easier because it's a lot easier to get the crowd to hate you. Uh, for me, I try to when I like when I'm working heel, I try to do everything to get the good guy over. Like I want the crowd to be behind him, so I am very, very despicable. I say things to the crowd that they don't like. Like I try everything to get underneath their skin on purpose because if I can get the crowd so mad at me, they're gonna cheer the face by default. So I'm actually doing my job right. And since it's harder as a good guy to get the crowd over with you, it makes his job a lot easier to do. That's interesting. Definitely, um, definitely good stuff. Kiva, what's your finishing move? Like, what, what, what's your finishing move? What's it called, and what do you do? I actually have a couple, actually, with the new gimmick. I have a – well, I first started out with the Twist of Fate. So now I'm doing a variation. Like, it's, it's so hard to describe it. I'm still looking for an uh, – definitely looking for a new name to call it. So it's basically the same motion, but instead of me going for the twist of fate, I'm actually setting my opponent up like it's a... You ever seen uh, Gangrel hit the Impaler DDT? I'm setting him up for that same motion, but instead of the the DDT, I'm switching in midair and I'm hitting a cutter. Okay. Dave, do you remember that finishing move by Gangrel? Yes, yes, I do. So it's basically okay. a variation of the twist of fate. And then I also use the pounce on smaller opponents, which if you've watched TNA or even the WWE versions of ECW, uh, if you've ever watched Monty Brown, Marcus Corvon, uh, I do that move as well, the pounce. Um, so, Kibu, um, have you won any titles in your companies that you work for? Like, have you been a world champion? Have you been a, a U.S. champion or intercontinental? I don't know what they call that. Have you been a champion before? Uh, I did win the Pride Championship. Uh, I believe it was an NCW. That was that was really, really that was a really really cool moment. Okay. Okay. Um. And then right after that, I had to take a hiatus. Okay. Okay. Uh, Dave, uh, we're gonna take a a little break and we're gonna play Todd's Take, and then when we come back, I hope to park up you, Paul uh, Street, Frank. My wife, Ange, Raquel, everyone on the line that's listening, but uh, I think it's important. Um, I think it's important that we talk about the next thing uh, after the break. Okay. okay. Sounds good. We'll be right back, cool, Dave. Looking to resurface the floors in your home or business in the New York, New Jersey metro area? Then check out Hilltop Pro Services in Carlsbad, New Jersey. They offer a wide range of installation services, including commercial and residential carpet, resilient floors, luxury vinyl planks, VCT, sheet vinyl, custom area rugs, 
logo mats, self-leveling conquer restorations, and so much more. Head on over to www.hilltopproservices.com to see some of their latest projects or call them at 201-952-9193 for more information. Hi, everybody. It's me. It's Todd. I'm back again. I guess I did all right last week since the guys had me on for another segment. There's so much drama and volatility in the nation, not to mention the world right now, and I want to shove my opinions down your throat about all of it. But this week, I thought we'd keep it on the lighter side. So next week, I'll get off on another rant. Let's talk about something that has become far less volatile with Americans as of late. Let's talk about sports. So the NFL just had its annual draft, and for most teams and their fans, hope springs eternal. With each new year, the hopes of turning around a beleaguered franchise or continuing to build upon a champion captures the imagination of a nation. Well, at least the fans of sports, anyway. But if you are on that other side of winning, like the fellas and I are, due to the professional teams we all root for, I have a question for you all to ponder as you listen. When is it too early to start to believe? Is there a time when it's too early? When your team is in first place in the division with a mere third of the games played, can you start to puff out your chest? Can you start to talk a little smack with your friends and coworkers? This fella says, yes, absolutely. You talk that mess. For years, you've waited for your team to turn it around and be more than just competitive. You want them to be winners. Happiness, like all emotions, is fleeting. So have at it. There's joy in wins, and most of us have earned a moment to bask in that joy. It's never too early. We believe. We believe in comebacks. Enjoy. For August is looming like a dark cloud on the distant horizon, and with it comes the Atlanta Braves. And then all of our revelry will be taken. This is Todd. And that's- hey, this is Blanca from Group One Crew. And you're listening to Pure Gold. Yes, you are, folks. Once again, the call number 515-605-9796, 515-605-9796 if you'd like to listen. We're joined uh, still by Kibu Harris, who's on. And, and, and just so you know, Kibu, this is actually the first time in the history of the show, so you made history tonight with us, that we've actually taken a break mid-interview with someone to then come back. So, um, you know, we're, we're happy to have you on. We're happy to have you uh, call in as part of the show. And, Joe, I believe that you said that we are going to switch gears in the interview. So, please, sir, take it away. We are going to switch gears, if that's okay with Kibu. Um, I want to make sure that we get the full picture, the full persona. We know who Kibu Williams, Kibu Harris is. Um, but I'm going to ask a question to my call screener. I'm going to ask a question to David, and then hopefully they perk up, and then we're going to ask some questions. But have you seen The Passion of the Christ? Yeah, I've seen bits and pieces of it. Do you know that uh, Kibu Harris's entrance music is based on The Passion of the Christ? Oh, I did not know that, sir. I'm sure you didn't. So, Kibu, explain your entrance music that I have had have held kept secret for about a week now, and I will share it after the show, but tell us about your entrance music. Tell us how it relates to Passion of the Christ. 
Um, I actually got some new entrance music. You know, I was listening to it, and it was it just felt just so me because it just when you listen to the lyrics and the instrumental, like everything fit my whole life story. You know, it's called uh, "Undefeated" by KB. Okay. Um. So you're. It's safe to say you're a Christian. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Um, of what denomination would you say? Um, would you say you're a Christian? Uh, I don't. I don't really pay attention to like denominations because so many people get caught okay. up in titles. I do. I'm. I'm more worried about following Christ, and that's it. That's it. Amen. Amen. So, um, you also go to a Bible study. Tell us about Bible study. Yeah, it's uh, City of Light, uh, City of Light Church in Elmira, New York. Okay, and you go once a week, or do you, or you go on Tuesdays, Thursdays? Uh, I go Thursdays from 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock, but I'm also serving as security officer as well. And then I also do Sundays if I'm not on the road doing shows. And then sometimes I'll come after a Saturday show. Sometimes I won't get back until 2, 3 in the morning, and then I have to get back up and then be back at service by 10.30 and serve. It's a grind. Okay. I'm sure it is. David, uh, if you're there, I'm not sure if you are, but if you are there, what do you think about Kibu being a Christian wrestler like Shawn Michaels? (laughs) I think that's great. I mean, there's a lot, you know, staying also – there's a lot of guys, you know, we've met and had on the air, you know, Caprice Coleman, just a bunch of different people we've had or talked to or talked about. I mean, that's definitely, um, you know, uh, an important thing because obviously your faith is, is what drives you. You know, most people, when you have that, when you have your beliefs, that will also influence the way that you work, your work ethic, your character, you know. And, and you know, speaking of uh, Shawn Michaels, he made an interesting point that we can kind of tie in here. You know, we're talking about being face and yeah. heel. He made a comment one time about how, you know, if, if you're a heel – and you're a bad guy. I mean, do you do you really hate the guy who's playing the devil in the Easter play or the Christmas play? You know, no, of course not. You know, it's all roles and it's all character. But I think that's fascinating because obviously, as a Christian, your 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 beliefs will influence how you do things and how you perform and where you go. So that's definitely good. Uh, I I'm obviously a big fan of that. And you know, it's good to be able to to share your faith. And you know, Kibo, you can use your you can use that as a platform to share your faith, which to me is just fascinating for sure. Can you oh yeah, I wholeheartedly agree, man. It's it's art for me. Yeah, and what I want to tell you is like I think that it was someone just it wasn't just fake Kibu that we met uh, last Saturday to break the fifth wall. I was at a wrestling event in Morristown, New Jersey. I got to meet a lot of former wrestlers that I grew up watching, but I got to meet Kibu at the end of my. Uh, Visiting wrestlers, I guess, and we hit it off. I think we talked for about half an hour, talked about how he wants to be a wrestler and how he will be a wrestler. It's just like uh, Ryan Valley, I just don't want him to forget about the little people at Pure Gold when he does make it in SmackDown or Raw. Um, again, if Kibo, is there anyone you want to thank before I uh, ask you a little closing question? Is there anybody that's on the air, that's uh, or on the line or listening that you want to thank? So I want to thank man. I want to thank God first and foremost because at the end of the day, man, I'm I'm grateful for the opportunities I've been given in the pro wrestling industry. But also, one thing we also got to keep in check, and we also got to keep a daily reminder: wrestling didn't wake me up this morning. So that's one thing to always keep him. Just by just by that, even that alone, man, is enough to keep him first, man. So that's that's where I'm at right now. 
Well, you're invited back uh, wherever you want to. You have the phone number. You call in. Again, I told you to be in character. I think it's good to cut promos, heel or face. That'd be good. Um, we appreciate your time. We appreciate you calling in and talking about the becoming a wrestler, and I think you will become a wrestler, just like Ryan will become a pro bowler. I think you'll be a pro wrestler in no time. We'll talk more about this stuff off the air, but we appreciate your time, sir. Thank you, man. I definitely appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, sir. Yep. Definitely. Uh, Dave, so, and everyone else, that was uh, Kibu Williams, um, aspiring to be a wrestler. I mean, you give him a lot of credit because we talk about wrestling all the time, but this guy is actually trying to be a wrestler. That's, you got to give him props for that. Oh, as Dave screams the call. I'm sorry about that. Oh, Dave is back on there. Dave, you there? No, he's Yes, on. sir, I am here. Okay. Okay. What's going on? I was just, I was just saying that um, we talk about wrestling all the time. We, we fancy book all the time. But this guy's trying to be a wrestler. That's major props to him. No, definitely. I mean, definitely good stuff there. Um, and, and speaking of good stuff, I'd like to, uh, we have a caller who actually was listening to the entire interview. So, um, you know, when we were talking to Kibu, I made sure to call screen him. His name is David and he is calling from Vineland. David, how are you doing this evening, sir? David, I'm doing great. How are you? Doing great. David, how Thank are you so much for calling. Yeah, uh, no problem. I just wanted to say it's, it's great to have a, a fellow Christian on the air. Um, you know, this gentleman, Kibu. Uh, or if I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, uh, but you know, uh, it's great to hear uh, a fellow uh, Christian on there. Um, I did want to, you know, talk about Roe v. Wade because that's in the news and that, that kind of pertains to, you know, our faith in Christ, um, the sanctity of life, and uh, I want to know um, what your what your guest speaker's thoughts are on that and um, how he copes with the day to day. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you actually, again for listening. But yeah, th- thank you for listening. Sorry. Um, he actually uh, the call, the interview is over now that you know oh. Joe ended it as as we were screening <laughs> no the problem. call. Yeah, no, no, that's so, that, that's absolutely fine. But you said Roe v. Wade, and you know uh, you're a Christian, so uh, what are your thoughts? And obviously it's controversial. It's been in the news. It's a big deal. It's been going on for years, but more focused on it recently. What What are your thoughts? Give us your take. Yeah. So I might take is you know the narrative has been. That it's uh, it's about uh, you know women's health, and I totally disagree with this. This is, has nothing to do with you know women's health. This has to do with you know murdering a unborn child. Uh, you know, um, in actuality, it's it's anti-woman because 50% of those abortions are are baby are baby women. You know, right. to be women. Um, you know. Every day I look on the news, I see the different stories, things like protests, uh, uh, protesters barging into uh, cathedrals, disrupting service and mass, um, you know, laws trying to be passed where you're after the baby is born, 28 days after the baby is born, and they want to they wanna kill this, this born baby. It's outside the room, and at that point, it's not about my this is a completely separate body. It always was. It always will be, you know, from the, the moment of con- conception. 
Well, see, that's interesting you say that because Joe and I were talking about this off the air, and obviously, I mean, I agree with that. I agree with your take on it. You know, you have the the faction, of course, that'll say that we're men and we have no business chiming in on this. But you know, without men, there are no there are no children. Without women, there are no children. There has to be. You have to come together. You know, obviously, um, you know, man and woman to create another another life. And then, of course, you get into the whole thing with gender and you know, man, women, you know, other. No, I don't. I don't want to go off on that tangent, but I just mentioned that since I'm saying a man and a woman come together. But nevertheless, um, the, my my issue with abortion, at least the way that it's framed, the way that the abortion topic comes up, it's always like the woman's health is at risk, and 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 the the other side of the aisle makes it seem like every abortion in the United States is performed simply because. Um, they, the woman's life is in danger. That is simply not true, you know. And then they'll say, well, if it's a case of rape or incest, then you know, then that that's a different argument. Now I'm, I, you know, I am anti-abortion regardless, but I, that at least is a conversation worth having. The, the truth of the matter is that the, the the issues when abortion comes up, as far as rape, incest, and the extreme circumstances. They're so minuscule in comparison to the amount of abortions that happen over the course of the year and the amount of pregnancies. That's not a valid argument. You're using the the smallest of percentages, if it's even one percent, one percent or less, to to argue for the other ninety nine point nine percent of women to have abortions. So to me, that's just too much. You know, it, it's not a valid argument, and it's framed that way. So David, you know, give us your give us your thoughts on that. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. You know. Um, the the reason I think women in general have abortion is, you know, for convenience because they don't want to be inconvenienced with a baby in their lives. A lot of times, you know, when we hear different politicians talk about, um, you know, the women that are choosing to have abortions, it's because they're, they're young girls, you know, maybe 16 years old in, right. in, the, in the low-income areas, you know, predominantly you know you know black women and um if they don't have that abortion they can't move on to uh higher education to a better you know uh, living standard which i don't think is true um you know there's so many other options for a woman um when it comes to you know being pregnant there are right. people you know on waiting lists to adopt yep. And they can't adopt these babies, and unfortunately. And and I know personally, you know, um, you know, great uh, faithful Christians that are looking to bring these these children into their homes, raising them in in right. in, in good Christian homes with good values, and they can't because the narrative is, hey, we want to. Uh, abort this child because we want to, you know, look good in our bikini. You know, we have, we don't want to have this pregnancy, you know, bothering us or or whatnot. Right, and it's interesting that you mention that because, as a matter of fact, Sunday, uh, my pastor, that was that was the message at church on Sunday. He was talking about abortion. He was talking, you know, against it. I know that there's there are Christians who have their own opinions on it. Now, I have a very strong opinion on it as far as if you're claiming to be a Christian and you support it and you're pro-choice or whatever. But that's another topic for another time or another uh, tangent of this topic for another time. But he was mentioning that, and, you know, most of those healthcare clinics, you know, the good ones anyway, not the Planned Parenthoods of the world, but they're the ones who have started all these services and started even for women who've had abortions, you know, for recovery and mental health. You know, I've no, I know, you know, people that I've known in my life over the years who have had abortions, and there was this young lady that I always think about from time to time that my best friend uh, growing up, 
he had a friend who basically used abortion as birth control. I think she had five, six, seven. Um, it was something. It was something ridiculous. It was like about a half dozen abortions that she had had, and she was really young. And of course, that messes up your body and everything else. But the idea right. behind abortion, and you know, it, it, it's not a life, and it's a fetus, and all this other stuff. It really is to dehumanize what is going on. That oh well, this isn't a person, so I don't feel bad about killing it, quote unquote. I said I, I hate using the term it for a child. But I mean, who says, oh, my wife and I are pregnant with a fetus, you know, or she has, she's growing a, a living organism inside of her? No, people say, you know, you throw baby showers, you don't throw fetus showers. It's because you have a life going in from the moment of conception, you know, the way that God designed this. And even if you don't believe in God, which, you know, that that's a whole other story. How do you look at pregnancy, the miracle of childbirth, and then go, well, it's not a, it's not a human being until. It can live on its own. I mean, that that's that's astronomical, and, and that, that's absolutely right. that's absolutely ridiculous. And then people, of course, will say, well, you know, they'll use the argument of us being like animals and animals this and that. But I mean, animals don't have abortions. They don't, you know, murder their children in the womb. No, they nurture, they care for. So it, it's a topic. It's definitely controversial, you know, David. We we definitely right. thank you for chiming in and calling in for sure. But it's nice to hear that you, you know, it's nice to hear your take on it, whether you're for it. Or against it, but you chiming in, you calling in, you know, we appreciate it. And just, just out of curiosity, how did you find the show? Um, I, uh, I got a uh, email uh, notifying me uh, from a friend. Oh, okay. we got a, a mutual friend. <laughs> well, that is awesome. Does that mutual friend didn't pay you. <laughs> if I had pay, if I had pay him and everyone else that I contacted the last two weeks. I'd be broke. I'd be out on the floor, uh, out on the street, and I'd be begging for a dollar like I usually would. Um, so before you go, David, um, we haven't really touched upon this, but there was a clerk that leaked this out about a week or a week and a half ago um, on Politico. Do you think that this clerk is going to face any criminal or penalties or anything, face jail time, or what do you think? So I, I think um, I haven't heard that story just yet, but you know my opinion is that you know nothing's going to happen with this clerk. There's a double standard in this administration, where um, you know the previous administration, whatever you know they did, it was criticized, it was brought to trial. Um, you know, so many people's lives were, were ruined. This person, unfortunately, they should be tried. They, you know, they should. You know, charges should be pressed uh, against them, but there it's just not going to happen. Yeah, what, what about the fact that um, all we're really asking for, I think, unless I'm mistaken, all we're really asking is for the states to vote on whether or not they want abortion. We're not saying that we're going pro-life 100%. We're just asking for the states now to vote whether or not they want it or not. Is that correct? Uh, so... You know the states are, are are looking to vote on abortion, and I just don't think you know there should be abortion in this country under under the rare rare circumstances which are not I think being counted right. We can't find statistics on um, you know how many of these women were raped you know and are having an abortion due to rape. How many of these uh, uh, women are you know, engaging in some sort of incest, which are, you know, as disturbing as that is, it is consensual, I would imagine. I think, it, you know, rape would cover it. Um, but, you know, how many instances is it 
for uh, the women, the woman in in a life and death situation, uh, you know that if they don't have this well abortion, you know they're not going to live. So right. Right. It's interesting you mentioned that, David, just to chime in again. The fact that you mentioned life and death, and my wife is a nurse, and we've had this conversation. I mean, essentially every single pregnancy is a life and death situation because, you know, there's always the risk. There's always the risk that, you know, the woman could pass away while giving birth, and, you know, the, the child or whatever. And you talk about, I mentioned astronomical before, but this really what's astronomical is the low number of, of these incidents, like I said, that happens. You know, you mentioned rape, you mentioned incest. And again, you're going to have people calling or listening and saying, well, you're men, you have no you no skin in the game, you can't talk. But yeah, we do because the child is, would be half ours, and I know that I wouldn't want you know, my partner, obviously my wife, in this situation, but let's say I wasn't married, I wouldn't want my partner to have an abortion. So, you know, where does that factor in? Yes, I get that men don't carry the baby, and no, men cannot have babies. That period, end of sentence, no matter what sick people in the world tell you, men are not, they're not designed that way, they were not created yeah. that way. But... Yeah, let's, Sorry, let's be clear. Men can't have men can't have babies. You know, I don't understand. You know, we have uh, these emoticons or whatever of a of a pregnant man. So right. that's really confusing. But um, I think that sure, you know, men uh, should have a say in this um, because we're bringing that life as well. I mean, it takes two to tango in in this case, um, and I think that. There is there's there is a male narrative on the other side too because you mentioned it you know uh, with someone that had you know maybe a half dozen abortions yeah. right there are men in this world that want abortions because they don't want to have the responsibility of raising a child and I think that's that's wrong but but you know you know women are are, are believing in that narrative and saying well yeah we're you're being empowered. You know, by that you're not being empowered. All right, you're being you're being manipulated to to take that life as a woman. You know, bringing a, a life into this world and raising that child with with a father um, is the is the best thing that we can do. We are changing the world with every new baby that comes into it. Right. I mean, that's definitely true. And it's funny you mention this because I was having this conversation with my wife. But you talk about the, the men and, and not wanting to have children. But, I mean, how many senators and how many politicians have you seen congressmen who claim to be pro-life, you know, to come in from the other perspective, claim that they're pro-life, totally pro-life, 100% pro-life, but then, like, they have a kid at a wedlock and they pay the woman to have an abortion. You know, and you find out afterwards, and you find out because the stuff gets leaked. I mean, the problem is that you have people not standing up for their principles. You know, those who are pro-choice, because they say they're not pro-abortion, but yeah. pro-choice, you know, they'll say, well, this is, this is what they're standing on, but then you have the hypocrites on, on this side of the aisle who are only pro, pro-life pro when it's convenient, you know, when it's, well, this I'm having an affair with my wife, so can't have this leak out. But then, you know, clearly it's not, you know, it's not your your principles. You don't stand for them. But I just wanted to throw that in there. Joe, I know you had something you wanted to say, so yeah. your turn, sir. So, yeah, David, I, um, I do want to say. Call. I just want to, go ahead, sorry. Go ahead, say what Yeah, I just want to say, you know, um, yeah, I'll, I'll just speak to myself as a man of principle. Uh, I have three children. Uh, my third child, though, we did not expect. And, you know, it could have been very convenient for us to go to an abortion clinic and have that baby aborted, but I wouldn't have had such a wonderful child that we brought into this world. Um, you don't know the impact the child has. I remember the, my first child, and first of all, seeing that, that child on a sonogram, it changed my whole view of, of life. 
because you know at that moment I knew I'm going to be a father and I'm going to have to uh, you know be the father that you know God has designed me to be, um, raising this children, this child, and these children. I I will say thank you again for David for listening and calling. You can always call in. You can always listen. Hopefully week to week. Our number again is five one five. Six zero five nine seven nine six. But I just want to end this way because I think it's important. We're all guys, obviously, definitely, maybe. We don't know what a a woman goes through in terms of psychological, um, emotional. So we can't we can't really know that end of it. So I just want you know there are people that think pro-choice is the way to go. I'm just telling you that women might live close to me, so I don't want to get beat up. Uh, but you know, we need to know we we need to have both sides of the, the uh, conversation. So just remember that a lot of controversy out there about this Roe v. Wade. Um, we'll get to the bottom of it. Um, the country will get to the bottom of it, I'm sure. But David, um, I can't thank you enough for calling, and please listen in weekly, call in weekly, whatever you want. You're a good guy. Wonderful. Thanks for having me. Thank you, sir. We appreciate it, folks. That was David. From Vineland Interesting stuff there for sure Now I know you talk about the psychological aspect Of course we're men We don't we don't know what that's like I can tell you being married for all these years And I'm sure you've had conversation with your wife Joe um, I mean postpartum depression is a real thing You know I remember years ago There was a stigma to it And I think that's the other, the other flip side Well not in terms of abortion But there are other aspects that we, we can't really um, 100% get into but the facts are the facts, is, and the numbers don't lie, as I like to say. There is the flip side of that coin where women go through things emotionally, mentally, physically that we do not. So it's easy for us to say what we would do in an X, Y, or Z situation. But like I said, I'm 100% against it no matter what the situation is. And um, you can get into the ins and outs of why that is. But, you know, women go through things that we don't. I remember, you know, my wife having, having you know, the, you have the emotions, you have the estrogen, you have the physical changes – and it just – it's hard because, like I said, there's that stigma for years about, like, oh, you're a bad mother if you feel this way. And that's just simply not true. And I think mental health – I know you and I are close to the same age. Mental health is something that plays a key role in everything that we do. But there was such a stigma to that for so many years that, um, you know, there, there, are, there are aspects of this that you have to take into consideration in terms of just a woman being pregnant and what she goes through, sir. Yeah, I do agree with all that. I just want you to know that there are um, other sides. There's another side to the story, and it's good to talk about that too. And just remember well, that I am totally – sorry. No, I, I get what you're saying, but but I'm not coming at it from that perspective. You know, I'm not coming at it from the other side. This, this is my side. This is where I stand. And, and as the three of us, we didn't have somebody on calling in to advocate for the other side. You know, and and that's my point is, yeah, okay, you have to, you know, you have to consider that, and, and we do, but I'm not going to change my stance on, on abortion in under any circumstances, and I just think that if we had somebody calling in to talk about it from the other perspective, then, of course, we can get into it there. It's a very passionate subject. It's hot button. I just, I have a real problem with the way that the left frames the narrative of abortion. You know, if you want to talk about the mom's life in danger, if you want to talk about this, that's different. But essentially, it's like, well, you know, a woman should be able to have an abortion whenever she wants, and it's, it almost seems like abortion on demand for birth control. That, that's the way that the narrative is framed from the other side, and I think that that is a huge problem. I mean, it is a huge problem. I mean, it is. I want to break the fifth wall. I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to go into somebody calling 
that might be a little bit more pro-choice, and uh, I don't think she's going to call today. Goad, by the way, it's not goat. It's goat. But no, as a, a member of Pure Gold. So. No, no, I wasn't. Um, but, Actually, that's know. not what I was thinking at all. I know, I know who you're talking okay. about. That's. Not, I was just saying generally. I'm. I'm saying, generally speaking, you know, I would never like purposely egg someone on in in this particular instance who you're referring to, you know, behind the scenes. No, my point simply is it's it, it, it's the generality of it because you know if somebody if somebody wants to, if anybody wanted to call that's great. I'm just saying that we don't have that other side because we are not on that other side. It's the same thing with with politics. You can't go. And we can't give you a Democratic perspective because we've always voted Republican. You know, I know I have. I know, you know, you you do. Um, so, well, Todd, who's more in the middle, maybe he can give us a different perspective on things, you know, or, or, or somebody who'd call in, let's say, a caller of any kind. You, you've got you've to gotta have the give and take. Now, that's why I always found Hannity and Combs fascinating because you had a hardcore liberal in, in uh, you know, Alan Combs. You have a hardcore Republican in Sean Hannity, but they're friends off the air, and I think that's the civility that we've lost as a country, where everything is like, if you don't agree with me, I hate your guts, I hate your family, and I want you dead. So that's that's the flip side of it, sir. Yeah, I understand. Uh, there's, we could talk about Roe v. Wade abortion all the time for the next 30 minutes and close up the show with that, but I just want to say that anybody that kills a baby after they're born is not abortion. To me, that's called murder. Some states call that abortion, but no. And then two, if your mom had an abortion on you, not you, but everyone else there listening, if they had an abortion on you, you wouldn't be here. So you got to think about that, too. Right. I agree with that, sir. All right. So, well, I mean, we welcome your call on Roe v. Wade. Um, anytime you want to talk about it, uh, we have an open forum. 515-605-9796. My call screen, my producer is telling me that I should get some to go some nuggets, but uh, I'll, I'll start off by saying that um, our president, I'm not going to name who it is, but our president of the United States has blamed Republicans yet again that uh, they're the reason for the inflation. Is that comical? I think everything that comes out of Joe Biden's mouth is comical. You know, I was actually talking to somebody today about, you know, the gas prices, for example. Oh, you know, they tried to spin the narrative of, well, the reason the gas prices are so high is because of what's happening in Ukraine, even though the gas prices had been high and, and climbing steadily for the year before that. And people believe into it, and people buy it. And that's the thing that gets me about this country in general. People buy into whatever they want. You know, there's not a lot of free thinkers. There's not a lot of free thought. And if you do have free thought, you're ostracized and, you know, you're vilified, like what happened with Joe Rogan and, of course, the ivermectin and the COVID-19 and all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, he's a clown, sir. Honestly, he really is. You Are you talking like, – he even referred to Trump as the MAGA king. I don't know if you heard about that. Have you heard about I the did, MAGA I king? Did. What I do mean, you think exactly about that? Instead is, of right? focusing on name-calling, instead of focusing on name-calling, why don't you fix the inflation that we're facing instead of worrying about calling Trump a MAGA king? How about that? I agree. Uh, I totally agree, and I think that they, uh, you know, the the problem with this administration is that everything is, uh, it's not even just this administration, though. I remember when Obama was in office for seven years, and I remember this specifically because I I was pointing it out to people, and really, seven years into his eight-year presidency, he was blaming George Bush for things. How can you blame the previous president when you're at the end of your second term? Explain that to me, sir. But that's what happened. And it's always blame this, blame this, and you know Republicans do it too. Take credit for what's what's you know going on right now, even though some of it may have been your predecessor, and then blame your predecessor for everything that goes wrong. That is just that's just the way politics works, sir. Honestly. 
I'm convinced, and I think my call screen won't take uh, won't be on the air today. If he wants to be on the air, he could be on there. But I'm convinced that they're trying to make sure that Trump never runs again or never is allowed to run again because they always bring up the the White House. They bring up the January 6th riot. Nobody really died, as far as I'm as far as I know, except one person. But it wasn't even their fault. It wasn't like due to the riot itself. Right. Um, right. I, that stuff just blows my mind because there's a we're allowed to riot everywhere else, but the the minute we we riot the right White House, you know we're up in arms and we never forget that day, we never forget that moment or that place. I agree. I mean it's it's but it's the way that everything is framed, the, the way that the the narrative comes from the opposite end of the spectrum, and you know people believe it, and that's the thing that gets me is that people actually believe it, sir. Obviously, definitely, maybe. Now, are there any more nuggets you'd like to get to because the show's about to wrap up, sir? I thought you wanted to wrap up at nine. You don't want to wrap up. You want to wrap up now? No. We can. No. I, yeah. I, no. I gotta. I I can't. You know. I'm I'm getting the I'm getting the call off the air that um I can't I can't be you know playing well, with my friends till nine o'clock. Okay, I hear you. Uh, I'll just wrap up with this. Uh, the NFL uh, released its schedule today. Check it out after listening to our show. Tom Brady received uh, is receiving a ten-year contract to broadcast for three hundred seventy-five million. Yes. $375 million to broadcast Tom Brady. And then finally, uh, I just wanted to mention uh, one thing. The Kentucky Derby was on Saturday, and who, I don't know who was, but the pandemic is definitely over. We had somebody, we had 100,000 people neck-to-neck, face-to-face, uh, body-to-body, no masks whatsoever, so the pandemic is over. If you have that many people at a Kentucky Derby, 100,000 people, no mask, the pandemic is over. Right. I mean, I... I... <laughs> I understand that for sure. I mean, the, the whole thing with the pandemic and the, the six feet and everything, the way the way that whole thing kind of played out, it's, it fascinates me still to this day. But I want to get back to Tom Brady. Now, what I want to know, sir, is how yeah. is it possible yeah. you give a guy $375 million, or you're going to, for 10 years? You're an announcer. I don't know about you, but when I listen to baseball or football, basketball, badminton, you know, croquet, pro bowling, Whatever the case is, I'm not there for the announcers. So are are more people going to listen to the NFL, or are they going to watch a game because Tom Brady is analyzing it? Are you going to bring in that many viewers, listeners? I don't understand why they would give out that much money. It just it doesn't make any sense to me. There, there's no logic at all. At all. I think it's funny. To, yeah, at all. You're right. I think it's funny to say that I'm actually interested in announcing in wrestling more than I am sports because I think. A, a announcer calls a good match. I need to listen to the announcer on a wrestling event more than a sporting event. Yeah, I agree. I think there's more to it than that, but I just don't understand the idea. I don't understand the idea that um, you know you're you're paying him almost four hundred million dollars to do what to analyze a game. Why? It's the same thing, and this is why I wanted to bring this up. It's the same thing, like to me, when it comes to. You know, advertising, let's say the Pepsi Corner or, you know, the Coke Corner or whatever at a baseball game or, you know, naming rights to a stadium. Why spend hundreds of millions of dollars to name a stadium? No one is going to buy, let's for example, no one is going to buy Miller Lite because you have Miller Park. Now, I get where Miller Park is in Milwaukee. That makes sense. But my point is you're the exclusive beer, you know, distributor or whatever to that specific stadium. They're going to drink your beer regardless. They have no other choice. So why are you spending hundreds of millions of dollars in advertising and naming rights that just don't do anything for you? Now, I can kind of sort of get the idea of maybe, oh, this is your park. This is Miller Park, right? 
But how is it possible that you have these millions of dollar deals that don't bring any money to you? How is that possible? It's it's a good question. I would love to answer that if we have more time. But again, thank you for the the guests on the show today, Ryan Valley and Kibu Harris. Number again is 515-605-9796. I'll send the link out as many times as possible so that you all listen, you all call in. We want to talk about anything you want to talk about, everything you want to talk about, including what I have on the rundown um, every week. So thank you again. Thank you for Todd. And Dave, um, if there's anything else, I don't know, you want to close this out, go ahead. I love how you are literally giving the phone number for people to call as the show is about to finish. Folks, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. Uh, listen to us next week. We'll be on from 7 to 8.30 every Thursday. Come hell or high water. Not literally. Obviously, definitely, maybe. Thank you so much, folks, for listening. I'm an eagle maniac. Shame on you. We're very pleased to be joined by the one only. Joining us on the hotline. I got two words for you. You're <laughs> dope. You guys are awesome. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.